0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Gary Wimmer, had a remarkable near-death experience 42 years ago when, as a pedestrian, he was struck by a speeding car. Gary describes his NDE in detail on our June twenty second, 2015 show, and I urge you to go to our Past Shows button when you can and listen to that amazing description. The story also appears in Gary's book, A Second in Eternity. On this show, we revisit that day, February seventh, nineteen 1977, and explore how Gary's vision differed from the more typical tunnel light experience, and what it might have meant in strengthening his already developing psychic powers. Gary, welcome back to NDE Radio.
1: Well, thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be with you folks.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. Gary, you had been doing psychic readings for people for as much as four years before your NDE, but you you said you felt your abilities increasing during that period just before the accident. Tell us about that.
1: Well, actually, the uh, the accident happened after eight days of completely unexplainable psychic phenomena that just kind of took off like a rocket. Uh, yeah, I'd been given psychic readings, and I'd already I'd already uh, explored and studied a lot of my own psychic ability. But uh, on January 31st of 1977, about that time, it started just taking off. I could hear things that people were saying before they would say them. Uh, you've probably read the book. I could... Uh, call a pool game before it was uh, the people were shooting behind me. I could, and all these things were freaking out my my <laughs> friends, my roommates. But later, as you referenced, the car accident when I was hit by a speeding car, I went out to Infinite Mind and came back. And from that point on, I realized what I had been seeing for the first seven days was accentuated uh, symbolism about how I read signs. Now, everybody probably reads them differently, but you know, if you see a man running down a a woman running down an alley screaming, uh, that's pretty easy symbolism. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yes it is.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of common symbolism, but I learned in that process how to uh understand my own symbolism. And you pointed out that you know, all experiences of course are different and unique. Mine was kind of unique. Uh it tended to center on uh actual concrete answers about why we're here and how we see things and how our psychic ability comes about. So in that sense, it really increased it. And over the next, well, that was 42 years ago, It's uh, practice makes perfect, so I've practiced a lot.
0: <laughs> now you listen, practice- you, you, uh, Gary, you mentioned beings called, that you called Arnos, or someone gave them that name, right? who asked just before your accident if you trusted them and said they would protect you. Tell us what you can about these beings, what they looked like, and what the meaning of Arnos is to you.
1: Well, the term Arnos was uh, a lady I met in 1980 named Alice Worrell. I explained to her what I went through three years earlier, and she went into kind of a trance. She's one of the most incredible psychics I've ever known. In fact, she's my guide now. I talk to her all the time. She used the term Arnos and confirmed uh, sort of that they were like guardian angel type uh, entities. Uh, I felt them during the week as my uh, psychic ability was increasing, and it, I never felt so scared and so enlightened at the same time. I couldn't understand what was going on. But I did feel these guardian angels or something protecting me or watching me or observing me. And they seemed to almost name themselves the monitors, or, or that's what I called them. I can't remember, but uh, I referred to them as the monitors. I only saw them once. Right before mm-hmm. the act. And yeah, they confirmed to me that uh, the light was shining on me and I was protected and don't worry. And they did ask if I trusted them. And I said absolutely yes, no problem. And then within seconds, and I'm not going to uh, give all the details, but I was hit by a speeding car and mm-hmm. left my body and came back. Never saw the monitors again, but I felt them again a couple more times in my life. But when I actually saw them once, And uh, I'll describe them to you the the best I can. They were, uh, I felt this light shining down on me after eight days of this escalating psychic ability on February 7th, 77. I looked up and felt this, I was incredible fear from what I was going through. I was praying in the middle of the street and, and, you know, crying and scared to death. And uh, I, I felt all of a sudden very warm. I looked up and saw this huge light shining down on me. None of these people mm. around me noticed it, but it, once I looked at the light for a moment, it seemed like a, a glass uh, crystal table about two inches thick, and there are these seven white-robed sort of angelic-looking figures looking down at me. And uh, I was completely overwhelmed because I had felt them, and I said, you're the monitors, and they confirmed it. Yes, yes, you trust us. It was the most mm. incredible encounter in my life. And as I tell people, do I believe in miracles? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> now, I think you said that you, their faces seemed to be blinking from light to dark and light pulsated from their palms. Is that is that right? Yeah,
1: the The light at first looked like a huge spotlight. It it wasn't blinding at all, but it was incredibly bright, and it was very warm. And, of course, people around me, I had drawn quite a circle around me because they'd seen me crying and screaming, uh, not screaming, but crying and praying and broken down because I was reached the point I was scared to death uh, mm. but uh, yeah they uh, they didn't see it but I did see them and as I looked up what looked like this big bright spotlight it turned into like this table classic crystal table and they had their palms facing down and the light seemed to come down from all their palms and make a circle around me uh, and it took me through the light to actually see, the monitors themselves now they probably could have appeared in any form whatsoever they did appear as these kind of white robed uh i say faceless beams because i could look at them and it almost looked like a raster on a tv going white and black so fast that it was in between uh it didn't have any particular facial expressions mm. if you know what I'm saying.
0: did they did they appear translucent could you see through them yeah
1: kind of translucent uh Obviously, I was the only one who saw them. So whether uh, they manifested physically only from here or a uh, apparition of spirit, it's kind of hard to tell the difference at that point. Uh, But they they seemed uh, they seemed a little bit big. I never mentioned that in the book. They just seemed slightly bigger than people like you know healthy kind of NFL football players or something. You know, okay, Uh, maybe not that big. But the main thing I got from them is a feeling an incredible feeling of protection and care and love and awareness and knowledge. And they knew everything I had gone through for the last week, uh, you know, feeling incredibly enlightened at the same time. I was terrified by what I was experiencing 24 seven. I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't even imagine what normal life was by the second day, this escalating psychic ability took off. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's the eighth day when I saw them and, um, had the car accident and went to this infinite light and came back. Well, I'm a convert. <laughs> took no more than that <laughs> in space.
0: now you you describe that when you soared from your body's location, you expanded in all directions like an expanding balloon, and you viewed the earth from all directions at once
1: right That uh, was the most incredible feeling. first thing I noticed when i when I made impact with the car is my uh head ran into the grill, and the uh, headlights on the car left that little dot on my retina, you know, when you blink at a light or something. Yes. And all of a sudden, that little dot turned into a big bang and exploded, and I realized, wow, I just saw the big bang that we came from, this one. Mm. But my first feeling was it's one, only one of infinite big bangs. And at the same time I'm sensing that, I'm outside my body looking down at my body getting crashed by this car. And at that right. moment, I started expanding, like you said, like a balloon. And it was the most incredibly exhilarating, beautiful feeling. It felt like everything physically was actually going inside me. And I was, you know, growing and growing and growing exponentially fast. Now, of course, my body's on Earth. So it's a, a, a psychic or a spiritual um, growth, I suppose you could say. But, yeah, I felt like I grew the size of the universe Uh and everything the galaxies and planets were going inside me, and that was the most uh well, it's hard to say these were all incredible sensations from the time it started. It only well, you left- know what? go ahead.
0: I was gonna say what it what it reminds me of, you know, the, the notion of a hologram is that every tiny particle of a thing has the entire image within it. And Correct. if we're all if we're all holograms of God it, it implies that you were actually witnessing a, a a smaller version of the original creation yeah
1: way you put it mm-hmm.
0: yeah it implies a multidimensional view that uh, either involves timelessness or some other multidimensional perspective that uh, that God witnessed when uh, when the original creation took place you think you think that's a legitimate interpretation <laughs>
1: no uh, excuse me i actually do <clears throat> And I think one thing that, um, one of the many things that fascinated me in the, in the uh, time I was at one with infinite mind is that uh, all creations uh, exist, all possibilities manifest. Uh, like the multi universe theory that the quantum physicists talk about, uh, we just happen to see one particular slice of one particular dimension of eternity in our bodies, in our space and time. But they're really all figments of infinite imagination, so they all exist. We just are just caught in this particular one. I think that really fascinated me, mm. feeling feeling infinite creation over infinite time, infinite possibilities. I never quite thought of life and God and the universe as so infinite, I suppose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and And you described as you expanded out past the... Past the Earth, past uh, the solar system, past the, this universe, that uh, it had formed a tunnel that you felt was leading to God. But this is a much bigger tunnel uh, than most people describe when they're talking about going through a tunnel and seeing a light at the end of it. This this is uh, enormous. And uh, and so I was going to ask too. The stars, of course, are material things, just like you know the physical universe is. Do you see the physical universe as a metaphor for god or do you think of god's energy as a is infused throughout matter itself
1: well i look at infinite mind god whatever as uh, everything so sometimes people say do you believe in god i said i believe in nothing but god every atom every molecule every quark every thought we just happen to be independent observers of it now let me get back to what was your question <laughs>
0: Well, I think you probably answered it. Uh, I was asking if uh, the physical universe is a metaphor for God. There are uh, psychologists who've studied the way we learn things, and they say, uh, uh, at least one of them has said that uh, we only learn through metaphors. We only know by example. We can only explain one thing to ourselves by having an example that parallels it.
1: That's probably true. That's an interesting point. I never quite thought of it that way, but yeah, it is true. Yeah. You say, as far as a metaphor, yeah, I think so. Because the, um, I don't know explain it. The, the the dilemma, the contradiction, the mystery is the fact that physical worlds, as best we can tell, do exist because we're living here and we do have senses and we do experience it. But it's really, I guess, in your terms, a metaphor for infinite creation. Is it really here or are we just observing it? The old concept of Maya, the illusion, uh, it's real, but it is a figment of imagination, a metaphor, a uh, spark of infinite mind manifesting. And it's not by accident. There is no accident. There are no coincidences. Everything happens because of cause and effect, including us being created, including the universe existing. The only cause, in fact, I can't put my finger on, and I think this is one of the mysteries, perhaps incomprehensible to to humans, uh, is why infinite mind even exists to begin with. And I could only come up with two conclusions. Either infinite mind, God, whatever exists, and everything exists, or nothing exists, and we wouldn't even be here talking about it. There's no Mm in-between. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, unless, uh, less, of course, we're all just a figment of God's imagination and we're part of God's uh, lucid dream, say, something well, I, along those lines.
1: I agree with that. We are part of God's infinite imagination. I think that the the, the the interesting thing is, and not to sound too confusing, but is this real or is this just the imagination? Well, it depends on if you're in the imagination look, side looking at it or if you're caught in the physical saying this is it, we're stuck in mud
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's also the question of size because I think um, maybe in our previous conversation you said that the huge and the quantum small are interconnected in the mind of God, how how do you mean that?
1: Well this was kind of amazing to me because I was an electrical engineer and I've always been fascinated with physics and quantum physics Uh, not necessarily the mathematical side as much as the uh, the layman's side, the intuitive side, the, uh, you know, why it's he here. But the, um, the, 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 refresh me on your question. I kind of get lost in my own brain sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah. You had said that the huge and the quantum small are interconnected in the mind of God.
1: One night I was uh, in many, one of these many experiences I was going through prior to the actual NDE. I was looking at the wall I noticed that everything on the very smallest of the small down to the quantum level, it's actually the port, the interface between uh, the non-physical, the spiritual, and what manifests. And now even quantum physicists, and I, I write some of these physicists and talk to them on a layman's level, even quantum physicists are starting to realize that there must be something at the very core of nature that actually makes it exist beyond, I mean, what makes the sub-atomic, uh, subatomic particles even exist? And you can't put that into a formula, so some of the quantum physicists are even looking at uh, the smallest of the small as being perhaps where consciousness begins and manifests and creates the universe. I don't think you'll ever be able to put it into a formula or prove it, but it is an interesting line of thought that physicists and, and consciousness are starting to get on the same page. Mm. that make sense?
0: Wow. Yeah, well, it makes you think if we're looking at tiny quantum particles and, and drawing conclusions from that, could we be tiny quantum particles to, uh, to a larger being sure. or to God, God himself?
1: Who's to say this whole universe that we live in is not a quark in some other universe? A quark in some right. atom in some other, you know, element in some other manifestation. The 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 fact that we live in time and space uh, tends to make us naturally think in terms of uh, sequentiality, linearity, uh, limits. For example, uh, those are are real. There are limits to things in the physical world, uh, but there's no limit to the imagination of, of infinite mind. So uh, we're kind of caught between limitness, physical time and space, and infinite mind. On the other hand, that has no limits. Uh, yeah. Not sure that quite addressed what you were saying, but.
0: Well, it does, and it leads to my next question, actually, which is, when you went through those, that tunnel of infinite universes, you said you wound up in an infinite blue space, uh-huh. which you describe as the mind of God imagining itself. So
1: what's that like? Indescribable, in a word. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wish I could find the words to describe the, the, uh, what's the word, just how it feels to be uh, engulfed in uh, infiniteness, if only for a second. Uh, of course, there's no time on that side. I felt like I was gone for billions and billions of years, and as I wrote in the book, I had no awareness by the time I went from, you know, physical Austin, Texas, to expanding, to the through the tunnel of light, into infinite mind, I had no awareness of me anymore, or the earth, or creation as far as this universe and this Big Bang. It was just pure sensation. And in that spot, in that state uh, of timelessness and infinite creation, there were no divisions, there was no separation, there wasn't one thing and another. Although at the same time, there's infinite separations and infinite possibilities. I know that sounds like gobbledygook, but this is the only way I can explain it. The, no, irony, no, it of, the irony of infinite creation and infinite possibilities, uh, do they manifest or are they just manifesting in infinite imagination and they seem real to us? Uh, mm. Maybe it's a little spacey, but uh, what I felt in that infinite mind is impossible to put into words. I, I did the best I can Um Pretty hard to describe, as you probably know from interviewing a lot of NDE folks.
0: Well, it's true. It's, it's, um, and it's an interesting that, um, each NDE is so personalized. It's yeah. almost as if it's been designed by God for that particular person so that they can benefit from it and learn from it and, uh, and understand through that.
1: I agree with um, you 100%. I agree, it's, it's it's tailored, or we tailored it, no matter how you look at it, but it is, most people who've had NDEs feel like, wow, it was familiar, I saw people that I knew, uh, or so forth, it has that certain sense of uh, your own signature on it, <laughs> you know, your own yes, unique path, exactly. on your unique yep. way, and it's got to be, because yep. no two people are the same. And if Infinite Mind wants to communicate with us, it's got to kind of do it with our limited language and experience, which it gladly Exa- does, if
0: exactly. we ask. Exactly.
1: If we ask. Yeah. That's the key thing I discovered is, you know, I encourage all your listeners to ask, ask, ask. You have to ask your higher mind and your guardian angels and God to help you because uh, those higher levels don't want to interfere with your free will. If you mm-hmm. want to remain clueless. That's a fine choice. You can do it. So it's real important to ask. And as I wrote in my book, I'll be a little of a spoiler here because it is an important point. Mm. I had no doubt what I went through. What I did not understand is why me? Why did I get this lucky experience? What the hell did I possibly do to deserve this treat? And eight months later, these monitors, I didn't see them, but they... Projected information into my brain that confirmed, among other things. The reason I had this experience, it can be fit into one word, curiosity. I wanted to know. My whole life, I wanted to know. I wanted to know what makes God tick and why this is this and why this is fair and that isn't and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Again, asking you shall receive. So that was one of the most mind-boggling things I realized is I brought this to myself by, by sheer curiosity and interest.
0: So that just would, by asking, you got your answer.
1: Yeah, but I didn't even know I was asking at the time. Later, when I came back <laughs> months later, they said this happened because you you were curious and wanted to know, and you could handle it. You know, that's the, the one thing you could handle it, uh, and obviously I did because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and wiser. <laughs>
0: you know. Well, that image too of you when you're returning to your body, coming back from all directions, like that balloon expanded out in all directions is also a, a pretty unique description of um, of rejoining a point of consciousness from everywhere.
1: That's true, and I felt like that's how souls come to this universe. You know, now the irony is, is it from the smallest quantum interface outward or is it from the infinite universe inward back to your time and place of birth and so forth? Uh, well, maybe both. It's it's a kind of a, Dilemma, but the fact is, we all take a, a impression of of time and space as we, our soul enters at birth, and it does get the astrological uh, influences of other planets and so much more stuff than we can even ever know. But it does make a unique blueprint for every being, uh, and even two born at the same time at the same spot have different prior histories, different karma, different uh, you know came from somewhere prior to. Disincarnation,
0: more than likely. Yeah. when you do psychic readings, um, you 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 say you read signs, and uh, to help with signs, you use stones, which you I guess drop or have someone drop. Um, right. Is it the physical? Is it the physical? The material objects themselves that that have the clues. I mean, is there a consciousness in the stones that tells you? Um, what the person wants to know or is it or is, is that just uh, I guess it's, that's my question.
1: It's symbolism. I look at the stones the way they point the way they touch they what they what they represent for example, you know Pluto or Mars or there's a lot, I use 16 stones Sun through Pluto mm-hmm. and then uh, six on personal stones I call life, love, luck, commitment, timing in place. If I do these readings in person, someone drops the stones. If I do it over the phone, they say drop. And in either case, I read it like a clock, and I let the stones talk to me. I let my own uh, spirituality uh, interpret the pattern. It's just a means. It's just a road map, a blueprint, that sort of thing. You can look Mm -hmm. at a map. It doesn't tell you how to go from A to B, but it shows you that A and B connect. Right. So I use it as, well, as reinterpreting interpreting as symbolism.
0: When uh, when somebody reads tarot cards, for instance, the, the cards themselves have these very rich images. Do the stones have a, a, a characteristic quality to them?
1: To me, they do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. And a lot of times I discover this after I read with a stone for a while. You know, certain stones tem- tend to take on a certain symbolism. Um and sometimes I'll just look at a stone and just feel things uh, because I'm trying to do that. And I'm asking mm-hmm. the universe to help me. It's it's a, uh, I guess, an act of cooperation or, or, or team spirit with, with the higher mind. Without higher mind and God and my guides and so forth, I would just be looking at a bunch of stones. But I allow it to turn into symbolism. And let me give a real quick example of how users can use this on a sure. practical level. Um, six years ago, I misplaced my keys for about the 20th time and frantically looking for them like everybody for about <laughs> the 20th time. And I finally went, nope, this ain't going to work. I'll tell you what, keys, you find me. And I put that in my mind. Within five minutes, I stumbled on them where I found them, where I'd left them. I started mm-hmm. practicing that all the time. And about a year ago, I was out in my garage and working on my car and, uh, had my keys, got some stuff out of my car, emptied the recycling, working on, had screwdrivers and wrenches on the ground, and I couldn't find my keys. Need to get back in my car. So I did my little meditation about, okay, keys, reveal yourself. But this time I went into a little meditation, and I swore the first thing I see, when I open my eyes is gonna be a sign to tell me right where my keys are right here, right now. Why not? May not work, mm. may work. I my eyes and I swearly, there was a screwdriver I'd left between my feet, didn't even think about it before. It's pointing right over to the recycle bin. And I walked over the recycle bin, yep, I had dropped them in the recycle bin when I ended the recycling, emptied it. Wow. I would have never looked there. That's how powerful you can ask the universe to give you signs and learn to actually read them in a practical way. It's not all hippie trippy cosmos giving readings. It's practical ways to let the universe guide you, instruct you, help you. But you're not going to get a letter from heaven. You're going to get a feeling, a thought. You know, that's how the universe connects with us. Does that make sense? Right.
0: Yeah, it does. It's, it's, and it's, I think, a a wonderful suggestion to people to think of it in those terms. I wanted to ask you, and all the readings that you've done collectively in general, uh, do you get a sense of direction as to where the world is heading? Where our civilization is going?
1: I saw a lot of that in 1977 when I was coming back into my body, not even aware that it was me coming back into my own body yet. But I saw all these flashcards and images. And like uh, I told you the other day when we were talking, I saw 9-11 before it happened. I didn't know it. I just saw a plane crashing into this tower. And Mm -hmm. 20 years later in Europe, when I'm playing on a cruise ship, that happened, and I ran down to the crew room and saw it. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of things unfold, and when I was coming back to my body, I saw the next 20, 30, 40, 100 years of civilization on Earth, indeed... We're going through one of the most complex times in human history. And it's because we can know and connect all over the world with everybody. But it's a it's a time of spiritual awakening. And for spiritual awakening have to happen, you have to see the holes in the boat. You can't fix the holes in the boat if you don't see them. You can't fix the societies if you don't see them. And now we're seeing all the problems, whether it's politics or pollution. Good. So we can fix them. And we will... But we're going to make some messes along the way, and the Earth is going to have some, uh, a lot of Earth changes going to happen, political changes, power changes. Yes, there's a lot of struggle. But at the end of the, the uh, cleansing, I suppose you could say, we will be a more enlightened, peaceful uh, world, and we will explore space, and we will go beyond. We're just at the, and we've only had technology for 1,500 years, and what do we do with it? Build nuclear bombs.
0: Yeah, you know, I know. Not Isn't it crazy? It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Gary, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Tell tell listeners how they can find your website and your and your book.
1: Well, the quickest way to find me is just Google Gary Wimmer, G A R Y W I M M E R. I'm all over the map on the internet. You can go. Okay. To, you can Google a second in eternity. That's my book. You can Google Lithomancy, L-I-T-H-O-M-A-N-C-Y, or go to Lithomancy.com. You'll find about my books, my readings, and so forth. And, Lee, it's always a pleasure to be with you, man.
0: Terrific. Uh, wonderful Wonderful uh, that you could be with us, and, and it's really a, been an interesting conversation. Uh, if listeners would like to hear this show again, or Gary's show of June 22, 2015, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the past Shows button. For information about IANS, go to their website at IANDS.org and be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.